Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg. His workout regimen. He listed it yesterday. Have you heard this? this yeah, is his, he, he works out with the Fungi Bunch, right? He says this is his workout schedule. His typical daily schedule. 2.30 a.m., he wakes up. <laughs> okay, right off the bat, it's ridiculous. Nobody does that. 2.45 a.m. I do. That's why I'm always out of breath. Yeah, he's got so many By things. the time you wake up, I've already worked out four times. Well, he has. At 2.45 a.m., he undergoes prayer time. I gotta pray. Uh, please, Lord, let me have a good workout. A half an hour. <laughs> He prays for half an That's hour. That's a lot of prayers. There's no way he prays for half an hour. He does. Do you think he does sets of prayers? Yeah. <laughs> he's, Hail Mary. Hail Mary. He's grunting by Hail the end of it. Hail Mary. Hail Mary. At 3.15 a.m. he has got four Hail Marys out there. He has breakfast at 3.15 a.m. So then 25 minutes later at 3.40 a.m. until 5.15 a.m. Yes, that's right. From 3.45 till 5.15, basically 95 minutes, is his first workout. So he's done with his first workout at 5.15 a.m. At 5.30 a.m., he has a post-workout meal. All right? Yeah. So then Marky Mark showers after that, okay? Now, he has this in his daily schedule. He has to put that down. Shower. Here's the thing. The shower starts at 6 a.m., and the next thing on his schedule is golf at 7.30 a.m. I take... A shower for an hour. Is PFT commenter on right now? You it's throw a power right shower for All right, an Before hour. we go, you know, much like the Berman blast, we're going to do the barstool blast here on Thursdays uh, where we interchange PFT commenter and, and Big Cat on the show. PFT commenter, I wanted to have you on for this. We're, we're talking about the uh, Marky Mark workout regimen. Have you heard about this? I'm reading it right now as we speak. So uh, I'm seeing he wakes up at 2.30 every yes. morning. Is, yes. is that correct? That is correct. He takes... That's a psychopath move right there. The, the <laughs> weirdest part is his prayer time goes from 2.45 until 3.15. Yeah. Like, at, at that point, God's like, hey, listen, I got to go, man. I gotta <laughs> 30 minutes on the phone. Uh, you know, my, my battery is dying. I got people to talk to. There's a bunch of wars going on. I don't know if you've heard about it. But um, I, I'll, I'll do my best to make sure that your movie debuts at number one in the box office. Yeah. Go, yeah. Well, do my best to make sure that your calves look extra sculpted today. He's I'll just, do my best to get the Funky Bunch back together for a reunion, <laughs> but I can't promise. I've got to go. Praying for definition. Uh, what a psycho. He is a psycho. He goes, he goes to bed at 7.30? Yeah, yeah. 7.30 p.m. is when he goes to bed. Oh, my God. Yeah, he must be just a, a blast to hang out with. But here's the funny <laughs> thing. He showers. This is on his schedule. Do the math on this. 6 a.m. shower. The next thing he has is a 7.30 a.m. golf tea time. All right. Yep. Then he puts in an 8 a.m. snack. He has to remind himself to shower and snack. Remember to snack. Yeah, he's got two snacks. Listed. No, no, three snacks. Yeah, he's like a, he's like a kindergartner. Okay, 8 a.m. is snack, and then I have another snack at 10:30. Uh, so he showers what like three times. Yeah, he's, this is like this is basically my junior high school schedule right now. <laughs> always in the shower, <laughs> making sure I'm extra clean. You get extra clean. My what? first, my first snack is horn wedges. <laughs> Second snack, goldfish crackers. I like he has 11 a.m. family time. His kids don't go to school until 12.15 every day. That's no, family time. Got to work out first. Yeah, nothing says family time like wedging it in between like six workouts and five hours. Like, and you, you check off like five minutes with your kids, and you're like, okay, I'm a good father. I'm a good father. <laughs>
And the, the, the best of the last two, his, at 5 p.m., he has another shower, okay? Because he's out, because he's, this is after workout number two. And, and he makes everybody eat dinner at 5.30 so he can go to bed at 7.30. <laughs> How pissed would you be at your dad? You'd be That's like, so dude. Weird. The, the worst part about this is he clearly doesn't have time to watch sports. So he goes to bed at 7.30 every, every night and can't watch any of the primetime games. Like, yeah. that's disrespectful. He acts like he's a big patriot, yeah. but he's not watching America's game. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that, that is very true. Uh, PFT commenter from Barstool Sports, pardon my take, podcast with us right now. Dude, it's great to talk to you. I have some questions for you, and I want to run through them because I, I consider you to be, uh, you know, big time. And, and you know you got your finger on the pulse of the NFL. Who had the worst week one? John Gruden, Ooh. Matt Patricia, or Nate Peterman? I mean... Matt Patricia had a pretty bad week one. Um, <laughs> as was pointed out by a few people, uh, he's, you know, he's got that pencil behind his ear. Yeah. <laughs> but, but his play sheet is laminated. So he's like, he's trying to scribble onto a laminated piece of paper with a number two <laughs> pencil. And he's supposed to be a rocket scientist. Like, I don't understand what kind of school of rocket science, I believe is the correct it is. name he comes from. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the Lions had a really, really tough week one. Um, John Gruden, I'm actually, I, I flipped the switch on John. I'm now a believer in what he's building out there. I think he's just trying to shoot the moon. Yeah. And, uh, he's, he's tanking this year. Like, I don't, I don't understand what else he could be doing, but he's getting rid of all of his good players. Um, <laughs> he Martin re-signed Martavis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he brought Martavis back after saying he didn't want, I, nobody knows what the hell that guy's doing. And, and with Marshawn, I'm, I can see Marshawn just like walking out of the locker room after week two and being like, "Hey, I don't. I'm too old to deal with this stuff. Like, screw you guys. I don't have to deal with John Gruden anymore." Um, I like how he's set for the national anthem, and nobody even thought it was like disrespectful. They're just like, "That's Marshawn. He just he doesn't know what's going on. He's just over there pounding skittles." Yeah, the nice thing about John Gruden, you'd think that he would be a type of coach that would get mad at his players for for not standing for the, the national anthem or whatever. But he's so focused on just football that I don't even think he knows what the national anthem is. I think he thinks the national anthem is I've been waiting all day for Sunday night. He stands at full attention when he hears the Fox NFL injury music. That is the like, slow, morbid version of the theme song. He's like, that is the ultimate song of reflection. <laughs> so, and then Nate Peterman, boy, he had, he had a rough go in week one. 34 minutes as the starter. Yeah, but what a 34 minutes they were, man. We will we will never forget Nathan Peterman. <laughs> Actually, I just ordered a Nathan Peterman t-shirt last night off his official Nathan Peterman store. Who there, knew that he had one? There's a <laughs> Nate Peterman store? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, they have one customer, and it's me. And uh, I've got my shirt on the way now. But he, uh, yeah, that, that will be a legendary performance. Like, those two games, you can't get any more perfectly bad than that. And I'm pretty excited to see my guy, Josh Allen, starting. Um, don't know if you've heard about this kid. He's tall. He looks good in shorts. He's got a rocket arm. He wins. <laughs> You're a big fan. Um, yeah, Nathan Peterman, you know, he, he could play the stats are for losers card because, you know, on paper, he didn't look great. But as McDermott will tell you, we got to watch the film on him to make sure that we can, you know, really say that his seven interceptions that he's thrown in 30 minutes were actually that. <laughs> you never know. That's true. The, the tape doesn't lie. Rams coach Sean McVay, uh, uh, Bleacher Report yesterday had a video showing his uh, prowess at remembering him. He remembers every, he's got like the Mary Lou Henner thing. He can remember every day. He remembers everything. He remembers every play he's ever called, and they tested him on it, and he came through. It was spooky to watch. My question for you, PFD commenter, is how far back do you think Hugh Jackson remembers plays? 
Uh, Hugh Jackson doesn't remember what he hasn't had for breakfast yet. He's like he he already doesn't remember stuff that that he has hasn't done yet. Like he, Hugh Jackson is the end of that game in in Cleveland was so preposterous when when he kicked that field goal with 13 seconds left um, and actually gave the Steelers a chance to win that game. Uh, I, I have no idea what he was doing on that. Have Have you guys asked? Did you do the thing where uh, you asked Ben Roethlisberger if he knew that a game could end in a tie? Uh, no, they. Uh, it was uh, Terrell uh, Edmonds, our new, uh, our first round draft pick. He he thought it was going to the second OT. Okay, I imagine it with Big Ben. If you were just like, "Hey, Ben, a tie. It's like a hung jury, but for sports." He would get it. He would understand that pretty quickly. <laughs> See, you're a Big J now, okay, and uh, journalist. And now that Antonio Brown has uh, thrown his hat in the ring of threatening journalists, along with Jalen Ramsey, uh, my question for you is. Have you been threatened by an NFL player yet? What was the threat? Because if not, I don't know if you can truly call yourself the Big J journalist. Yeah, I mean, uh, Danny Woodhead has threatened to have me assassinated a few times. <laughs> oh, no He's a real jerk. He's a real jerk, that Danny. No, um, I don't think I've been threatened by anyone, not physically. Um, I mean, I've, I've gotten to some battle of the wits with Chris. Chris Long has threatened me with a future of uh, global warming, which um, I don't know if that was specifically directed at me or if he was just sounding the alarm when we had him on the show. Yeah, he's a big, but, uh, big L. And, and you know what? Um, Lawrence Taylor, he didn't threaten me, but just like being in his presence, you feel threatened just because he's, <laughs> that, like, he, he's liable to snap at any second, just his eyes darting around the room, just identifying weaknesses in everybody that he sees. Uh, that could be a threat. Lane Johnson is another guy who... You sit next to him, and he all he has to do is just kind of look at you. And you're like, okay, I feel threatened now. Um, so, I, but it, but in terms of on Instagram or anything like that, no, I think people know that you know you catch me on these social media streets. That's where I can do some damage in real life. Then, yeah, I'm sure you know most NFL players could probably beat me up. I'm not going to say all because there are a lot of kickers out there. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, never been threatened in real life, really, by one. Although I listened to uh, the most recent part of my take, and uh, your Yinzer accent uh, aside, in the very funny serial spoof that you guys did, I thought you were gonna, you were going to get beat up by uh, Michael Bennett in that interview. Oh yeah, he's just kind of an aloof guy. Uh, Sounded like I he thought- was not okay with you guys joking around with him. No, he was actually fine with it. He he was cool with it. That, that is, um, I guess we didn't release too many videos, video clips from that interview, but uh, he was fine with it. He's just kind of, that's by his nature is to just like sit back and, and be a little bit aloof. And sometimes that doesn't really come across over uh, over uh, like an audio uh, medium. But um, yeah, you're making was, excuses for him only makes me think that the threat was real. Yeah, I'm blinking in rapid succession. Right now. <laughs> he, he was, uh, he, you know, he, he was a good guest. We got him through a friend of a friend, and um, he had fun. And it, I, I thought it was okay, but uh, I guess sometimes when you have somebody who's like very low energy uh, at that time, then it doesn't come across as being like happy or, or joking around. And I thought that he did joke around a lot. Yeah, no, it. I mean, it's a great that that was a great podcast you guys dropped the other day. Uh, my other question for you: Doug Marone, coach of the uh, Jags, said he's so pissed off at not making the Super Bowl, he's never watched one. Now, yeah. is this something that the NFL should make a rule that if you're not good enough to get there, you're not even allowed to watch it? <laughs> Well, is this his way of admitting that he's like a little modern-day Mike Tyson? He's just selling his Super Bowl tickets on the side? He's like, yeah, I've never seen him, but I've got a lot of close friends that have paid me money. I, I don't know what's going on <laughs> with that. But I think that he uh, 
I don't know. I, I think it, it's not a bad idea to institute a rule to force everybody to watch the game. I mean, the, the ratings need all the help that they can get. So <laughs> if you can get, you know, a couple hundred extra eyeballs on it, why not? Sure. Uh, with Marone, I actually, I, I completely buy his explanation that he just, he gets so mad if he doesn't make the Super Bowl uh, that he doesn't watch it. And I mean, spending a lot of time in, in Jacksonville and Buffalo that, you know, the odds are he probably won't make the Super Bowl unless it's, you know, 1990 through 1994. But uh, he's uh, he's such a football guy that I can I can see that explanation being true. He just gets like physically ill having to watch somebody else win a championship. <laughs> I can I can see Gruden doing that too. I can't imagine him wanting to watch anything that that he wasn't uh, involved in championship wise. Yeah, I don't think Gruden's ever watched a football game uh, that he hasn't been involved in in general. He's watched the tape of it. Gruden might have watched like the all twenty-two of every single Super Bowl that's ever happened, <laughs> uh, or or like the old uh, camcorder footage from the nineteen seventies that he then replays for his his offense to try to teach him how to run like a T formation. But uh, I, I don't I don't think that Gruden's ever watched like a television production of a show. If he, he does, didn't even know that he was on Monday Night Football. He probably <laughs> just thought that he was standing there just like talking to some weirdo, some short weirdo that kept talking about the game and never played. Do you think they just ran video of the game that was occurring in front of him <laughs> through a filter that made it look like it was coming through a Super 8 film? I, I like that idea a lot. Like Don Gruden's Google Glass is just like <laughs> it's your face into a VCR. That's right. BFD commenter, uh, last thing I have for you before we let you go, Dave Damashek, our buddy from the NFL Network, uh, talked about, you know, uh, Big Cat had brought up on your podcast the other day, uh, do you ever get to the point where you're old enough that your team losing doesn't affect you or doesn't affect your mood? And Damashek tweeted out yesterday uh, that it only is relief for him. He no longer even has joy. When his team wins, when the Steelers win, it's relief. When the Penguins win, it's relief. So I want to say congratulations to you as a Caps fan for now having won a championship. From now on, you'll never experience joy. It's only going to be relief that you didn't win, that you didn't lose. Yeah, you guys are speaking from a position of privilege over there. That's that's such a Steelers fan answer. Uh, you know, I just I'm I'm happy when they don't lose because it doesn't make my day worse. Like you guys expect to win all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm curious to know how how Pittsburgh handles a tie. Like what do you do for a tie? At least if you if you lose, you know that you can get drunk to drown away the misery. Right. If you win, you can get drunk to celebrate. But when you tie, what do you do? You just get drunk because you're confused? <laughs> yeah, you have a free understand. night. Anything that happens didn't really happen. There you go. Yeah, it's like the purge. Um, <laughs> last night, as a matter of fact, I, the, the Capitals were nice enough to send over some uh, Stanley Cup victory wine to me. I had a couple bottles. Um, it tasted very, very sweet. I think this is the start of a dynasty. Yeah. Um, as, I, as I said last year. Uh, as a vintner the, or as a hockey team? Uh, both. Both. I'm yeah. going to get into wine like LeBron James now, As now that my team's the GOAT. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we, we enjoyed uh, a couple bottles of red wine around the office last night, so that was, that was pretty great. I have a question for you guys. Though. Okay. Are, are we concerned about Le'Veon Bell? Where are we at with that? Because I, I have a suggestion for you. Please. Please tell us. Uh, why, don't, why doesn't the entire city of Pittsburgh start a hunger strike until Le'Veon comes back? And then that way all of your deaths are on his hands and really see if he cares about this city. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not a bad idea. Although, you know... That might just be committing to mass suicide, though, because I don't think he's coming back. Yeah. Um, well, you don't think so? You don't think he's coming back at all this year? No, he'll come back I in mean, week eight. Yeah. 
You know, to get in a crude season, whenever that is. Yeah, because the Steelers could hold him out for two weeks if they wanted to and not pay him, which would screw him out of his season. So he has to come back week eight. Uh, I think he'll end up doing that. But look, this town's in love with James Conner, even though he fumbled at the end of the game. Haircut aside, they love that man. I like the haircut. I like it because uh, it's such a bad haircut that it discourages him from taking his helmet off in celebration. That saves him from the penalty. See, there you go. It's the penalty. So, like with the monocle gate, though, like what did you guys? What was your interpretation of Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell's monocle tweet? Uh, I just uh, I thought that he was it was uh, definitely shade. He, I thought I I th- I believed his explanation that he didn't know a game could end in a tie, and that was him looking into it into the rules. <laughs> All right, okay, I can buy that. Yeah, I got a nickname for him now. I'm going to call him Monocle Lewinsky because <laughs> he, he's got a stain on him. <laughs> something that you guys will not forget pft commenter from barstool sports the espn has the berman blast we're doing barstool blast thursdays uh with pft commenter and big cat until we come up with a worse name thanks so much for joining us today man we'll talk to you soon all right see you guys